You're killing innocent people. They're not innocent. They're roadblocks in my journey and I'd kill them again if I had to. Wow. No, 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 no. I didn't mean it like that. You tricked me into sounding like... Like what? The people I'm fighting are trying to take your home, Sam. Why are you here instead of stopping them? And my sister's waiting for that exact same answer. I'm not your enemy. I agree with your fight. I just can't get with the way you're fighting it. Hey, I'm Derek. And I'm Noah. And you're listening to Abida. Where we take our current favorite pop culture obsession and enjoy it one nibble at a time. Yep. You're so far away. I know. <laughs> Look at my arm movements. Here's a bird fact. I'm a bird and I can spread my wangs. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, we extended the table a little bit because uh, he was too close to me. And um, Rude. I'm kidding. <laughs> but also true. So it's very weird. It's like, you know, the royal families where they sit like 75 feet apart at the tables at either end. That's what this feels like, even though this is probably six feet. A little bit. I have to admit, though, this makes me feel like a little bit more like I don't know, like a real recording situation because we're not at one tiny square table with blankets all around us. True. Right? Moving on up. Here we go, baby. It's just for this episode. Watch it. <laughs> I know. We're like, it didn't work. It's not going to work. We're back in the fort. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to this episode of A Bite Of, where we've been covering Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's been great. I feel like, though, all the banter and the thing that we love is gone. This episode's got real heavy this week. Yeah. So, yay. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I kind of have the same thought but different reaction to it. Like, whereas I felt like last week's episode felt more more slapstick, less substance. This one is less slapstick, more substance, and I'm here for it. Interesting. You're not really that way. So, this is weird. In my, in my dramas, I like for there to be an emotional center. And this episode really gave us a lot of core feelings about what is going on. Who are you? This is my new character. They are French and they love emotion. Oh, I would have not have guessed French. <laughs> <laughs> it is my interpretation of French. So moving on. <laughs> I'm allowed to have feelings. Oh, of course. Comment below. Is Derek allowed to have feelings? This isn't YouTube. Um. Uh, leave us uh, uh, an email. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, if you do like our show and you've been with us from Twilight to Bly Manor to Mandalorian and WandaVision and up until Falcon and Winter Soldier, and you like us, make sure you subscribe, leave a review and rating. It is literally the best way to spread the word about the podcast. I just have to like pause and rewind as you were naming off our seasons. I love the different types of like magical beings that have been in all these things. Vampires and ghosts and Grogu's. Grogu's. <laughs> we like a lot of things. Heck yeah. yeah. Can't wait for you guys to hear the next season. So, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> All right. Before we get into this week's Falcon and Winter Soldier, take a step back, do a little recap of what happened last week in episode three, Power Broker. Yeah. Last week, we had the prison break scene with our friend Zemo, who, well, really is more of a foe, but we need him for info. Our three amigos take a trip to Mandapore and meet up with Sharon Carter mysteriously. Yeah, it was really cool to see Mandapore in live action screen. Cool to see Sharon Carter again. Of course, Zemo charmed by him. I feel gross by being charmed by him, but we'll see where his journey takes him. And if he does double cross our favorite duo in the end, we'll see. But the main point of that one was really setting up what's happening for the rest of the series because I feel like just like WandaVision, First three episodes, like half of the series was really setting up a lot of stuff. There was things that were propelling the story. Mm -hmm. And that one was really, I feel like, the break away from it since it's midpoint. And we are where we are now. 100%. It also taught us that if I were to go to a club with anybody in the show, it's Baron Zemo. Yeah. He got those got moves. Some moves. <laughs> I mean, the Zemo cut. Marvel released the Zemo cut within like a day of people asking for it. I'm so glad. They, they heard the that. people and they delivered. <laughs> I bet it was just a marketing ploy. Like they did that. They were like, <laughs> people are going to want to see more of this. We'll, we'll get it to you guys. They nailed it. <laughs> we got to throw that spoiler alert out there. So wee, 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 spoiler alert, spoiler alert. 
don't go forward if you haven't watched the episode. That was the most forced Wii U Wii U I have ever heard. Wii U Wii U. All right. All right. So let us officially take a bite of episode four of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The whole world is watching. Terrifying title. So Mm -hmm. right in the opening scene, we see a flashback to six years prior of Ayo finishing her cleanse of Bucky's brainwashing and freeing him from Hydra's grip for good. So this was really cool to see because really the only information we got on what how Bucky got through all of this was Steve dropped him off in Wakanda. Next time we see him, T'Challa's like, hey, here's a fresh new arm. We need you to help us fight Thanos. So it's like, clearly he went through some things in the last episode. We saw that the the code words didn't work on him. So he did go through some type of cleansing, yeah. some deprogramming to yeah. get there. But it was so cool to see that like Ayo, that she had a part in that. Like you, I think a lot of us, me personally, I just assumed that Black Panther and Shuri were the ones that did it. But they have like, they have strong, capable people that can help them do this. So it was really cool to see that she took him to a secluded spot, put on a nice fire, tried to activate his winter soldierness. Yeah. Didn't work. He's like, look, I believe you're going to be okay, but JIC, you're not. I'm going to take you far away from people. Okay, boo? I mean, smart. Oh, totally. She has her spear. She's at the ready. I do have to say, I mean, this is like Sebastian Stan acting chops right here. Oh, man. I mean, he really, seeing him in Winter Soldier from being like Bucky Barnes to the Winter Soldier and Captain America, the Winter Soldier, it was a whole nother level. Like he was just menacing and intimidating and kind of sad and you felt for him. This one, it was like, oh, he really conveyed all of like just wanting to get over that because he wasn't in control the whole time. Right. So it was really cool. And then to hear Ayo whenever she was like, you are freed. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh my God. Yes. Just give him a hug. He needs a hug. Almost a hundred years of being tortured Mm -hmm. and being a tool and a weapon. And the thing to think about this too is even though it said six years, it's only a year for Bucky because he lost five years from the blip so he went through all of that got all that deprogramming and then now he's where he's at now just my luck (laughs) i'm finally fine and free of my own trap that was set in the brain and i'm gone (laughs) (laughs) so presently we pick up right where the last episode ended and ayo is asking bucky why he freed zemo reasonable thing remember he's the guy that murdered t'chaka their prior king and black panther So the Wakandan people are not too happy that somebody that they spent time to take care of and nurture back into a more stable mental health state is like, oh, by the way, I freed the guy that just kind of killed your king. Sorry about that. (laughs) Yeah, we wasted resources, time, energy, (laughs) vibranium on you. And here you are sort of almost turning your back on us. I mean, but he did help them in a way that he got them, he got Zemo out of the prison. So now the Wakandans can just like pick him up and grab him and get justice. And you can kill him. Yeah. There I you mean, go. Freedom from the cell. Now it's time to pay back for T'Chaka's death. <laughs> I do feel like, so with the, the pieces in this episode, there's some really cool moving like ticking clock pieces mm. because by the end of this, she he tells Ayo like, He's a means to an end. I ne- we need him. Like, I'm not doing this because I'm buddy-buddy with him. I just need him. And she's like, I'll give you eight hours. Then that's it. Which was nice. That was nice on their part. The, the Dora Milaje did not need to do that. I don't think they're really ones to be like, we'll give you extra time. Yeah. <laughs> it feels just like there's a mutual respect there. They've been through things. I'm going to have to trust what you're telling me so that I don't just walk up in there and kill this guy. Right. Exactly. And with the pacing of this episode, I liked a lot because it was fast paced. There was a lot of, it felt in a way like Christopher Nolan-y because I feel like Christopher Nolan movies, they tend to like, everything's moving in like a certain direction, but it's all suspenseful the whole time. Like if you have not seen Dunkirk, watch that movie and you'll Mm kind of get what I'm saying because it's like, you know, the John Walker stuff, the Dora Milaje stuff, the Zemo stuff, the Carly stuff, and it's all moving, but it's like, who's going to break first? Loved it. Yeah, it was kind of cool to see all of these separate characters in their own little separate storylines, but they were coming together right. to a head. You know, whereas for most of this, although they've crossed paths, it really was like, this is what's happening to Sam. This is what's happening to Bucky. And this was like, 
this is all happening right here in Latvia, people, and it's getting crazy. Right. So next we are in Zemo's Latvia apartment and Zemo gets some nice monologuing here. He like tugs on a line where he actually connects like Nazis to Ultron to the Avengers. Mm -hmm. And this is all in his. So I feel like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is really playing on symbolism and what it means to be a hero. And is that just good? Is that bad? But what's a good soldier? What's a good man? These themes are running throughout this entire thing. And the cool thing about this is that we hear Sam talk about that he wants like a nonviolent solution to Carly and the Flag Smashers because you can't help but sympathize with what they want. It's just how they're doing it. Yeah. That's the issue. So it's cool to see that Sam is still like that and it it's continuing to prove that he should have the shield. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Sam throughout this whole episode is dropping lines left and right that had me like, oh my God. I mean, I oh, want to so get that stenciled on my wall. Like, you know how it's, it's always that oh, live, live, laugh, laugh love. Yeah. Not on tonight. Not on tonight. There has to be a peaceful way to stop her. That's on my wall. That's in my kitchen above the spice rack. <laughs> so I think one of the more powerful pieces that gets talked about in this episode is that there's never been another Steve Rogers and no one else is good enough to be Captain America. I mean, I think that that's always an interesting thing. And I think comics, they can easily skirt around that mm. because you know dick grayson taking over the mantle of batman he's kind of similar to him in a lot of ways he's not as you know brooding and mean but there's still that same morality there but i think with steve rogers mixing in with that super soldier serum that nobody else has had the same effect like steve rogers yeah. has it's just a, a recipe that nobody can be that way right and we've spoken about this before where it seems like whatever sort of is l the core of who the human is that's what the serum brings out in them. And as we saw, Steve was good through and through before the serum. Yeah, he was a good man. Like Exactly. Take out the perfect soldier bullshit. You, you need to be a good man. Right. Because if you're a good man, you're going to be a good soldier or whatever business you decide to get into. So yeah, you just need that little piece. So that kind of leaves us all with the question of what does it mean for Carly to have the serum or anybody else? Who are they at their core? Mm -hmm. And and I feel like that's a big part of this conversation. And we see that throughout this episode as well. Right. Yeah. So there's a there's another theory that Zemo says in this conversation that all superheroes are supremacists and which is like it's not crazy to say, but it's kind of like, oh, like to hear somebody say that, because that's not something that's usually said, especially in the MCU. We're taught to love these heroes. And yes, they've made some bad decisions, but it's all been for. They had no other choice or it was a good reason. Right. And but the truth is that Sam and Bucky have both felt that they're incapable of taking up the shield. So it is still that interesting thing of like Captain America is a symbol that nobody else can live up to. And you see that Bucky and Sam are dealing with that in different ways, but they're both feeling that way. Yeah. I mean, I guess the thing is, is that there's also that name, right? I have to be Captain America. My best friend was Captain America. It's like. You know, make it your own. Change it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm waiting for the moment that Sam realizes that Steve was right. And I'm waiting for Bucky to realize and fully accept that Steve was right about him. Mm -hmm. It's just these things. It's like if you guys think that Steve is that good and his Captain America mantle is so high, you have to be like, well, he might have been right then. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. But I feel Zemo. I mean, he. His family died because of superheroes and they've kind of got let off and they got pardoned while he's sitting in jail. Yes, he did bad things, but can't blame the guy for saying that kind of thing. Mm. So next we see th via through the Flag Smashers, the news is talking about how the Patch Act is being put into effect because of the Flag Smashers recent bombings. And this is essentially the, they're increasing border security. Right which is almost the opposite of what the Flag Smashers want. Yeah, they're literally like, no borders. Yeah, they want no walls. We're making, making more. more. <laughs> yeah. Backfired just a We're little bit. We're patching up all of the walls so they're stronger. <laughs> hey, good point. The Patch Act. Ah, there we go. Patch Act. <laughs> so next we see Sam, Bucky, and Zemo. They're, they talk about how they have to find Carly and the Super Soldier Serum, and that's why they're there in Latvia in the first place, but before anybody else does. They know Power Broker wants it. They know... John Walker and Hoskins wants it. So they're, everybody's kind of racing against each other to get to this person first. Mm -hmm. So it turns out while they're there that there's going to be a funeral for Mama Danya. And they need to find out where and when that is. 
So Sam and Bucky make their way through like a GRC village encampment, um, asking around. People seem not willing to give information to them because they're outsiders and mm-hmm. these people don't trust outsiders. Right. And you also see the flag smasher symbol everywhere. So I think they're a little hesitant to them. I also want to say that I feel like in a lot of this, there's so much uh, concentration on what it what words mean. Right. Right. So it's like you might call me a terrorist, but I believe I'm doing something greater than that. I don't call myself a terrorist. Uh, you know, Sam walks in, he speaks to someone and he says, you guys are refugees. He says, we're not refugees. We're not seeking refuge from anyone. We're international displaced persons. So it's like these labels are put on people, you know, but they don't truly feel that's who they are. Mm-hmm. It's greater society telling them that's who you are. But they're like, that's not me. You know, well, I'm also, a revolutionary, not a terrorist. Yeah, there's, but there's also, even if that guy isn't part of those Flag Smashers, he's still within that group of people that were displaced. Mm-hmm. And the GRC, this organization that's promising them to help them or whatever, which they obviously aren't, he was like, they promised to send more teachers. That was six months ago, and they haven't done that. You're really seeing what Carly's talking about, and I'm glad that they're showing this. Isn't It's not just her saying like, they don't care about us and they don't like us. They're actually showing you this. So yeah. that was kind of the point of seeing these these little villages and these campments. So I think that's the beauty of the sort of series format for the MCU here is that we don't have only two, two and a half hours to get this point across. We can delve into things and really see the motivation behind a lot of the decisions. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> then leave it to Zemo to be creepy, creepy singing Baba Black Sheep, which is like Pied Pipering the kids in in this little courtyard and he starts like bribing him with Turkish delights, which was his son's favorite candy, which is kind of sweet to see that he still keeps them around and he carries them. It goes back to the human nature of this character, but he bribes them and he ends up finding out where Mama Danya's funeral is going to be. But it also seems in this instance that he finds something else out Mm. that he didn't necessarily want to tell Sam and Bucky because he tells the girl, he's like, see those men, they're bad men. Well, I think he he's letting he lets them know that there is going to be a funeral, but he won't tell them where it is right. because he's using it as leverage. I also think we need to take a step back for just a second and say, who is stocking this Airbnb with fresh Turkish delights? This man has been in prison. That means our boy Osnik has been running all over the world, making sure there's fresh goods in all of Zemo's homes. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. Well, maybe because since it was his son's favorite, he always had them around at their like vacation spots. Sure, but they were just sitting in that jar. They got to get funny. It's just candy. Well, I'm sure it has more than like a two year shelf life. <laughs> <laughs> I've never like I've had Turkish delights before, and to me, they were more like the Chronicles of Narnia Turkish delights, and not like Jolly Ranchers and clear wrapping. Yeah, I so I, I could be wrong. <laughs> well, I did a little research, and like Turkish delight, apparently of this minuscule research I did. Is like a collective term for different types of candies. Oh, yeah. So it can be flavored with rose water or pistachios and things like that. And it and it does seem to have like some sort of jelly consistency in a way, like these little cubes do. But now all of the ads on all of YouTube and Facebook for me are Turkish delight based. So you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I'm gonna be buying some Turkish delight. So we get back to Zemo's apartment, and the trio are talking about Carly's motivations. So this one, we're really fleshing out a little bit of what Sam and Bucky really think about Carly. And Sam seems to sympathize with her, Mm. although he can't really justify her actions. He's just more, well, I can see why she's doing this. Like, did you not just see what happened in there? And Sam had that conversation with that teacher. So him coupled with what his sister's going through, that's not necessarily getting the care that she should get from the GRC. it's It's a recipe for Sam to be like, I get it. And I think we're also finally getting the explanation of what really happened within those five years yeah. as far as borders are concerned, because half of the population disappeared. So countries were welcoming people they had never welcomed before to help with the economy. Come in, come join us. We can all work together. We need so, it because like 90% of our country left. <laughs> exactly. And so there were no borders right. anymore. People could go anywhere to help out. And then as soon as everybody came back, it was all those walls went up again. Yeah. And, you know, and Sam seeing that firsthand that economic fallout for his sister and his family's business. Right. Yeah. But just like you said earlier, so Zemo mentions that he does know, but he's trying to keep it as leverage and Bucky ain't having that. 
He's mm-hmm. like, you want me to show you what people can do with leverage? Like, Zemo has to understand his card here that Sam and Bucky need him, but he... Zemo just has to be very careful. I think Zemo has been careful this entire time, but I think saying that, especially in such a desperate time when they're like, this is our chance to see Carly, don't fuck with us Yeah, in this moment. So he does tell them, like, I have somebody, I know where we can get the information or whatever, but he tries to keep it close to the chest. Sharon does make a cameo in this episode. I think it is becoming less likely that she might be the power broker. So Sam tells Sharon that he could use a pair of eyes in the sky. I guess if you had Red Wing, (coughs) you could have used him. But uh, Sharon says that she has access to a couple satellites. She still has those connections. (laughs) Yes. Sharon also warns Sam that if Carly disappears, we're not going to find the serum. Until it's too late, the power broker went apeshit when he heard about Nagel. That's the doctor that Zemo killed in the last episode. And the power broker wants the serum back. (laughs) She tells uh, Sam that you killed the golden goose. Madripoor is about to get real nasty. Yeah, he's like, sorry about that. (laughs) Did it make your life worse than we already did a couple of times? I mean, poor Sharon. She's like, guys, stop. (laughs) <laughs> I literally just got my art theft business off the ground and you're ruining it for me. You're ruining all of my connections. How dare you? This power broker won't get off my back. Oh, power broker, back off, man. <laughs> we then meet up with Carly and an unnamed flag smasher guy in a cemetery where we find out that's where they're hiding the serums. I want to like, did they install that secret compartment in that like grave site or was it already there? I mean, I'm sure they had to have known about it, but it's just very interesting. Like, did that person that die be like, just in case somebody needs to hide something, install a secret compartment in my, it's not a tombstone. What is it? Larger tombstone, extra large, (laughs) no, not a mausoleum. No. I mean, basically, it's the greatest geocache ever. (laughs) It's like, you know, push this, push, pull. Oh my God, it was so cool. And what pops out? but a fanny pack full of serum. I mean, smart. (laughs) Keep it close. I mean, you can hide it under your clothes, which she does. Um, But (laughs) in this, we do get a bit more discussion about how, you know, heroism has changed, including the insights that heroes don't have the luxury of keeping their hands clean anymore. Mm -hmm. And this guy that Carly's talking to, he mentions that, you know, I used to love Captain America when I was growing up, but seeing how the world has changed and how heroes themselves have changed, even villains have changed, he doesn't. He didn't think that a Captain America there could be any more Captain Americas until Carly came along. Mm-hmm. So I think that is interesting. He's he's essentially saying, and I think that as a comic reader, I can see this where if you detach the hero so much from being relatable and being a person, like what are they fighting for other than just for the organization or the team that they're on? Mm-hmm. It's like are they people? Like Carly is a person dealing with all of these things in this post Steve post blip world. And she is the voice for them. I, I kind of want to think that if she didn't have the serum, she wouldn't be as violent. I think she has the anger in her, right? right. The anger is fueling her sort of serum form. Mm-hmm. One thing I also think is interesting in this conversation is that it comes back to the shield, right? Right. She says something like, what we're doing will outlive the legacy of that shield. That shield should be destroyed. And it's so interesting to me, even in Sam and Bucky's conversations, so much is based on this shield. Yep. It's never like the person. It's always like the shield, the shield, the shield is the hero. And, and that's what makes the, the person holding it. But it's, it's like there's so much symbolism in that. And they equate so much to the person holding the shield. But it's, I feel like it's two separate entities. You know, well, I think Steve made that shield have that symbolism. I mean, if Steve wasn't Steve and he was just some kind of dickhead that did some things right, the shield wouldn't mean shit. Mm. The government wouldn't try to use the shield to be like, hey, we're back and we have Captain America. Like, you know, so I think that because Steve was who he was and he's not around anymore, he's he's extended within that shield. Mm -hmm. And that shield means. I am a good guy. I am blah, blah, blah. But in the same conversation, they talk about how it's just not good and bad anymore. They're like, you heroes can't keep their hands clean anymore because of the extent that we have to go. Because these people are not only fighting villains, quote unquote, 
they're fighting organizations, they're fighting countries, they're fighting ideals. Yeah. So it's hard to keep that just black and white. And I'm this conversation is super interesting. And I think it really paints the picture for the whole show, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I mean, who's to say what's going to happen after this episode? Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I think the thing is, is that I think it happened. I think they discussed it in the last episode. It's no matter what side you're fighting on, you're, you're still killing people. People are still dying no matter what you're doing. So even though you're the good guy, you're still killing humans. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it, it it's a difficult decision. I think that it's unrealistic to think that people won't die mm-hmm. in wars or fights, even if a hero has a code of no killing. That's just almost impossible. Yeah. But I think it is an interesting conversation to have because I think we are moving past these heroes just being gods Mm -hmm. and that they can't do any wrong. It's dealing with the consequences. And yes, you guys saved New York, but you also leveled buildings. Yeah. (laughs) Even if they didn't level the buildings, the fight was still there. Right. Right. So, you know, I think it's an interesting step that the mcu is going in and i think it's it's going to make it more relatable and more heavy yeah it feels very the boys in a sense you know i mean they're obviously these heroes aren't as evil as the heroes in the boys but it's still looking at these people that are idols and then you're seeing that wait they have faults as well Mm -hmm. so then walker and hoskins catch up to the show's trio and it's almost immediately confrontational and i did not appreciate it because every single time we've seen walker catch up with these guys they're like what are you doing join our team like i don't don't pressure me to join your club if i'm interested i will join your club but right now i'm not okay with it <laughs> in a famous drag race quote <laughs> willem says to fifi your tone seems very pointed right now uh yeah and it's like that is walker he is just always screaming at them they're literally walking through the street in a town in europe and he's just yelling at them yeah I think, you know, a little like joking aside, I think there's going to be a lot of discussion about the arc of John Walker in this season. But what's interesting to watch is how Wyatt Russell is playing on the impacts of expectations. And we're getting more levels to this character, right? And especially in this episode, I really feel like John Walker's Captain America slash US agent is coming in full bloom. Mm. I hate that phrase. I don't know why I use that. So, I, but his take on Walker isn't just like an alpha male who takes heroes in too far. There's like an undercurrent of desperation. Oh, yeah. In his performance, like as a man who knows he's incapable of following in Steve's footsteps. But he's really good at doing that. So it's like, it's easy to hate him. But also you're seeing like, even just though he looks, sometimes it's like, I kind of feel for you. Like. You have to live up to Steve, Mm. but you're also doing it in a weird way. And I think he just keeps making these decisions that he might just be kicking himself later. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all, it's the pressure, the pressure, the pressure. Mm -hmm. It's what we were just saying before. It's, this is the shield. This is who you have to be to hold the shield. But that's the thing is that the shield is a shield. You are who you are. But because he's saying to himself, I have to be Steve Rogers. Bitch, you ain't. Nobody There's, is, though. There will never be another Steve Rogers. Exactly. <laughs> but that is the constant pressure he is putting on himself. And it's a pressure that he has taken from the government he is serving and the country and of and the citizens that are watching him. I need to be Steve. But in reality, you just need to be you. Well, I also, I mean, I, I don't want to step too far over this because I don't really necessarily know his situation too much. But. It seems like this dude has seen a lot of shit, Mm. went through multiple tours in Afghanistan, was a perfect soldier. Has he gotten the right help after that? You know, PTSD, going through all of that trauma. Like, I don't think that he's been able to really turn off. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Samuel Jackson's character in Kong Skull Island, (laughs) where it was like the Vietnam War was ending. And then he was like, hey, I got a job for you. Oh, I'll do it. I'll do anything you mm-hmm. want me to do because mm-hmm. I am a soldier first and then a person way last. Yeah. You know, so I, I feel like that's who he is. And, but he's also struggling with his inner demons. And there's an interesting point that we see where pretty much Sam tells John that he wants to talk to Carly because they're like, we know there's a funeral happening. We know where Carly's at. We're going to go talk to her. And all 
John wants to do is just brute force. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants to do. He just wants to get her, get the serum. He wants to take out Zemo, all of this stuff. And But Lamar's there, and he's like the voice of reason for John almost. Like he's the good conscience mm-hmm. to him. And he tells him, let Sam try. Let Sam try talk to Carly. Also, he did this. In the military, he would talk to people and help them deal with trauma right. and talk through things. So let him do his job, maybe. All I know is that I'm hearing the paging system going, paging Dr. Rayner, Dr. Rayner. <laughs> right, where is she? Where is she? Because uh, your boy Walker needs her real, real bad. He really does. I don't think she'd want to work with him, though. She's like, nah, I'm good. That guy's a dick. Well, yeah, after he freaking ended her time with Bucky, she was making <laughs> so much progress. <laughs> Rude. So that brings us to Mama Donyer's funeral. And Sam is able to go in there and talk to him. John gives him like 10 minutes to talk, which I don't think that's a lot of time. Also, how long was the eulogy that she gave? So 10 minutes does not seem like a long time. I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) I was like, he's like coming to like, you know, maybe mid, you know, funeral. I don't know. 10 minutes seem like a lot for all of these people to pay their respects. I know. A little weird. So they hold back a little bit and Sam does get to talk to Carly. And this is probably one of my favorite scenes as far as character development and and dialogue in the show i think it's really heavy and it paints an interesting picture of carly Mm -hmm. yes i still think she's a villain yes i don't think she's a good person but seeing her motivations is very interesting and how she deals with that so like carly says the people around the world need me she's talking about her revolution and that she she feels like I, i feel like she feels like john walker in a way where she's put this responsibility on herself and she's the only one that can help these people that are displaced and not being taken care of. And Sam tells Carly that she's been seen as a supremacist with her super serum, which like baffles her. And she's like, everything I do is to end supremacy. But I think your actions aren't doing that because what makes you any different from the people that you're supposed the the shield that mm-hmm. you want to destroy? What mm-hmm. makes you different than that? Right. I, I think what's interesting is that we sort of see a, a parallel between Carly and new cap. Right. And, and even in this one moment. Right. So when Sam first, first walks in the room, he's like, I understand what you're going through. And she's like, don't be condescending to me. Don't yeah. talk to me that way. You don't understand. And then we have the moment, like you mentioned, where uh, Walker's getting restless and Bucky's like, dude, you said you'd give him 10 minutes. Give him 10 minutes. And he's like, don't patronize me. Yeah. Don't tell me what I should feel and how I should react. Yeah. So it's interesting. These two people who are sort of on opposite sides of this whole thing, they're, they have similar feelings of motivation going through this. They're trying to show how strong they are and how people can count on them. But at the same time, they don't realize the actions that they're taking aren't the right actions to get what they want. Yeah, they're both trying to make the world a better place, but I don't think they're doing it correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's and, and Sam even says in the scene to her, it's not a better place if you're killing people. It's just different. Yeah, exactly. He also he tells her, he's like, I'm not your enemy. I agree with your fight. It's just I can't get with the way you're fighting. And I think that's a, that's a super smart and only Sam could have talked to her like this because I think he does, he has firsthand experience. He talks about it with, with Carly that my sister is almost going through the same thing. Yes, a different circumstance, but I see it happening. I'm starting to put the pieces together and this does suck, Mm -hmm. but stop killing people. Like, let's figure something else out here. I mean, let's be real. If the world doesn't have heart eye emojis for Sam right now. (laughs) He's just, he's so level-headed in his approach and he's not afraid to say, I, there are emotions here. Mm -hmm. I see what's happening. You have to realize that there are similarities between us. We're just going about it in different ways throughout this whole episode, even in his conversations with Zemo and with Walker, he's just able to boil it down to be like, this is what we're going through. Right. That's what you have to realize. And so he just has a way of making everybody feel and realize that what you're feeling is valid, but there's a different way to handle it. Right. Even if Sam doesn't know the necessarily the right way to do it, he just knows that's not the right way. Yeah. I feel like this was Sam's really big shining moment in this episode. And Bucky's was him dealing, like getting to see his like acting chops really perform. He does have some great f- fighting choreography in this mm-hmm. episode though. So just when it looks like, He's making progress with Carly. Walker ruins it all. Guess who comes in? Yeah. He spooks Carly, who runs away. They lose her. It's like Carly now believes, even though Sam was making progress, that he double-crossed her, which sucks. Because it's like, dude, it's almost like what Walker did with 
Dr. Rayner and Bucky. They were making so much progress, he came in and ruined it. Yep. Just sit down for two seconds. Yeah. Jeez Louise. So they all go after Carly, but they lose her. Suddenly, though, Zemo finds her. He shoots at her. Ooh. The super serum goes everywhere. He injures Carly, but he gets distracted with all of the vials of serum on the floor. So he start, starts destroying them. Carly escapes. Again, Walker busts through the door, knocks out Zemo. Oh, shield to the head. <laughs> Poor, I mean, good thing you didn't kill him. Oh my God. <laughs> Vibranium shield at top speed to his temple. <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> of course, though. He finds one vial of super juice on the floor. Super and, juice. And pockets it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have some thoughts about super juice in general. It's like, I mean, granted it was in the 40s, but Steve had to be put into a giant capsule with like, I don't know, what, 10, 15, 20 needles going into him? To... Well, you also have to think that this Dr. Nagel, like he might have. He condensed he, it. Right. He made it like a an easy yeah. Version. He did a one-shot dose and not a 50-shot dose. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, so it's just like, I don't know. Now you have this little thing. He puts it in his little Velcro pocket and you're like, uh-oh, that spells trouble. Right. <laughs> so later, Carly gets a text from the power broker threatening her life. He wants to see her back. Obviously, that's what he's been wanting this entire show so far. She doesn't seem too concerned with it because she's like, we'll deal with him when the time comes. Mm. But she also plots on how to deal with Sam without getting in a direct fight. Her proposition is to separate the U.S. heroes and kill Captain America. Uh-oh. <laughs> Very divide and conquer. It makes sense. You got to yeah. divide all of these enemies and take them out separately. Yeah. Super smart. I mean, she's not dumb. So back at Zemo's apartment, I feel like after every major scene, they keep going back to Zemo's apartment. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling between calling it Casa de Zemo or the Baron <laughs> Bungalow. Ooh. Right? Mm. Right? Which one? I like both. Oh, okay. Listeners, let us know <laughs> which one you like. <laughs> All right. So there, there is more interesting conversations. I feel like we're really getting to know these characters, mostly because there's only two episodes left, and I don't think we're going to get this type of stuff later on because shit's picking up. Mm. But Zemo asked Sam if he was ever offered the serum, which Sam says no. And Zemo asks if he was offered it would he take it without hesitation sam says no and i think that really plays to who he is and i think he knows that he doesn't need the serum and but he also knows the effects that the serum could have i mean look at bucky mm -hmm. bucky did turn out right but he didn't to begin with so i think it's just too much of a gamble for him and also sam doesn't need it his superpower is his charm his heart and his kick-ass kicking with his wings heck yeah i completely <laughs> agree and and he says here Blood isn't always the solution. Right. That one I'm getting put on a throw pillow. <laughs> what? <laughs> the Cute. first one is going to be on our wall above the spice rack. This one is going to be on a throw pillow. Um, I mean, he just has so many great quotes in this episode. He really does. I do like how Bucky does come into the room and he's like, something's not right with Walker. I'm crazy. I know. I know crazy when I see it. <laughs> but it's like also, yeah, you don't you don't say Bucky. <laughs> Nobody that. noticed his rage <laughs> just now. OK. <laughs> so Captain America and Battlestar arrive and demand that Zemo gets turned over. Walker starts getting a little aggressive with Sam because he's like, look, we still need him. Calm down. Get out of my face. Mm -hmm. Walker's like, you want me to put the shield down to make it more fair? It's like, why are you trying to fight? You know what Sam says to him? He says, shield or no shield, the only thing you're running here is your mouth. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Yeah. Where's this yeah, one going? Yeah. Oh, that one. You know, I was thinking a t-shirt, but like. Bumper I, sticker. Bumper sticker. Yes. A bumper sticker or a wall scroll. Ooh. <laughs> no, I don't like wall scrolls. Unless they're hand embroidered. Well, that's what I'm saying. Cross stitch. Oh, that's it. It's going on a cross stitch that's getting framed and hung up. I like it. Perfect. Right above the door. The entrance yes. of the door. Mm -hmm. oh. Ooh, a doormat. <gasps> That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> just then, the dormelage also come for Zemo. So everybody wants a piece of Zemo at the same time. And Walker tells them, I don't know who you think. I mean, he obviously is like the embodiment of entitlement. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you have no jurisdiction here. Oh, how do you have jurisdiction here? 
She's like, let me tell you a little story. <laughs> the Dormelage has jurisdiction wherever the Dormelage is. Yeah. So you can shut your fucking mouth. It's true. Yeah. And they really do. <laughs> do you see the spears? <laughs> Speaking of spears, spears and shields go flying. So they all start fighting. And the the funniest part about this episode, I, I did like that they put some lightness in it, mm-hmm. is you see Sam and Bucky and Zemo just kind of watching Lamar and John get their asses handed to them. And it's like, should we help out? They end up starting to help out because I think it it looks like they're trying to kill them. Oh. Which I don't put it past them. <laughs> it's incredible. Like they, there's always this moment where they have their spear drawn back ready for the plunge and someone stops it. Mm-hmm. Pretty badass. In all the chaos with Sam and Bucky helping out, Bucky is face to face with Ayo and she detaches his arm with some magic. She knows the pressure point code to do right on that shoulder to make that thing, blam, fall off into the floor. I mean, remember in our research episode, um, he can take that off and beat people with it. It's part of his abilities in the Marvel Encyclopedia. It does move even when it's detached. So he knows a new skill now. (laughs) But it also, it makes me question, like, is there not complete trust with the Wakandans and Bucky? Like, is it like a fail-safe type thing? You know what I mean? I guess I can't blame them for having that in there, but it is kind of one of those things where you're like, ooh, maybe they didn't fully trust him because if they didn't tell him that that could happen, it's only for them to be able to do it. Yeah, maybe they designed it before he was completely free of the brainwashing, and they were like, like, I don't know if it's going to work, so maybe let's just make sure this (laughs) could fall off. Okay. I do want to say, though, in this particular scene, Sebastian Stan really sells the fight choreography here. Like his his track record in the MCU. I feel like every fight he's always been in, I'm just like I'm really enjoying this. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not him necessarily, like I know he does a lot of his stunts, but his character as a whole has some of the coolest freaking fight scenes ever. I love it. Yeah, this episode was chock full of them too. Mm-hmm. Really really good. I mean, you throw in Walker and Hoskins, that dynamic duo. Then you have Bucky and Sam, and then you have the Dora Milaje in there. This this episode had so many different fighting styles, so many weapons being used. I loved it. It, it was, was so good. Fantastic. But in all of the chaos, Zemo pulls a El Chapo escape <laughs> through the sewers. Bye-bye. He just creeps into the bathroom. I like his, like, I'm just going to go take a pee real quick, guys. Yeah. I'll be right back. While you guys are fighting, I'm just going to go take a break. Bye. Did he purposely build a giant manhole sewer so that way he could do that? I think so. I think when I'm you're an evil, confused. yeah, when you're an evil genius, <laughs> no matter where your homestay is, you're making sure there's an escape route. <laughs> True. Good planning. Yeah. The Ninja Turtles would be proud. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I do want to say though that that image of that Wakanda warrior having the Captain America oh. shield is not only badass, but it will forever live rent-free in my mind because it's just an amazing image to see. Loved it. She took it from him, kicked it, flipped it up, caught it perfectly, and was like, mine. So (laughs) incredible. One of the moments that is pivotal here, aside from all of the amazing fight scenes, is that you see Walker kind of say to himself that those were non-super soldier serum people. Yeah. And he got defeated by them. I feel like he has the serum. We don't know if he he took it yet, but that might have been the final push. Yeah. He's like, great. I can't even, I I can't even defeat these, these women that have these spears. Yeah. How am I supposed to do anything? This Steve Rogers fought against a giant purple alien. What am I going to do? Yeah. (laughs) And, and just in the scene before this, he got thwacked by Carly and now Mm. he's getting defeated again. And they're not even super serum soldier people. He's having, um, you know, a, a little crisis. Just a little one. It just keeps happening. It's a snowball effect for him. Yeah. Everything is just like, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. So next we see Walker and Hoskins. They're, they talk a little bit before like the crude end of this episode. And Walker asks Hoskins if he would take the serum, if he could. And it's an interesting parallel to when Zemo asked Sam. Mm-hmm. Because Hoskins, without hesitation, was like, oh yeah, I would take it. You're seeing these perfect soldiers wanting to be the perfect soldier, and that's all they see with that. I think in this, Lamar asks like a very crucial question, though, for the the whole episode and maybe the series in general. 
And he says, power just makes a person more themselves, right? And I think that's a really important thing that we need to remember with the serum. Look at Red Skull, look at Bucky, look at Steve, look at Carly and these other people. It's not, it's like, does it, <laughs> does it make it more themselves? Like, are villains made more evil by power and heroes made more heroic? Then what is John Walker? You know what I mean? Like, he's gotten more power. Has that made him more heroic? Or has that made him worse? Right. And the thing is, though, is that there's also the question of what is power, right? So with this mantle comes power and responsibility. <laughs> Although it's not a physical power, like a serum, it's supposed to give him power. But he feels like he doesn't have it. Right. So there's this other option of this thing to actually give him the physical power. Boo. Right. And so what does that mean? He he has the power already, although not physically in, in the strength department, but that's not enough for him. Well, the interesting thing to think about, too, is like, does it also amplify weakness in heroes? You know what I mean? So like, does power also amplify your weakness? <laughs> right. And I think with great power comes great responsibility. Okay, Ben Parker. <laughs> and I think with power also comes your uh, self-conscious feelings of yourself. Right. Am yeah. I doing this right? Am I enough? And power, although can be seen as a good thing, it can corrupt. Mm. Because if you have power and you start to lose it, you want more power. And what means are you willing to go to to get that power, Mr. Walker? Mm. There is, I, I, I almost feel like this whole conversation is also like, not an Easter egg, but a a cool parallel to Dr. Erskine and Steve mm. from Captain America, the first Avenger where the good doctor was like with that serum bad becomes worse and good becomes great. So it's all, I feel like there's just that one running theme. There's a couple themes throughout this whole, this whole show, but when it comes to Captain America type stuff or, you know, Sam and Bucky, this is going to be the question that all of them have to deal with. And I think they have done it in a really cool way with everybody involved in this show. Next up, we see Sarah gets an unexpected call from Carly. And one, I thought this shot was beautiful. With Gorgeous. Sarah by the water, and you see it's like a very like deep sunset, but it was really cool. So Carly is really trying to figure Sam out in this, and but she also wants to set up a meeting with him. Mm -hmm. And in her mind, the way to do that is to threaten Sarah and her kids to get her to tell Sam to meet her. Like, again, Carly, not the proper way. I'm sure. Right. Like, if you were able to find Sarah's number, you could have found Sam's number and asked him. I mean, very good point. <laughs> again, I think this illustrates the point that Carly is taking questionable means to get to a point where either she's trying to do good or trying to get help or trying to trust someone. Like, you don't threaten someone's entire family. Right. I mean, it's not great. No. Don't do that. And But I also think it's part of her plan to separate them because she's like, you need to meet me alone on the rooftop, which I like that Bucky was like, nah, I'm going with you. We're BFFs, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, you know, there were some interesting things that happened with this where uh, New Cap calls. He's like, you're going to let your partner go in there and do this. And Bucky says, that's not my partner. I, mean, he's his, I hope he means he's his best friend. Well, well, that's the thing is that I, <laughs> well, that's what I'm kind of seeing it as it's like i think in the beginning it's that's not my partner we're not working together right but in reality maybe it means we're not partners or you know we're on we're doing this on the same level as two individuals you know i mean i together. hope that's what it means but i still kind of feel like it means like uh we're just co-workers going towards the same goal mm -hmm. we haven't gotten that moment where we're like we're best friends forever yeah you know so i'm like i think he knows that deep down but they're just too proudful to be like no not yet man like i don't want i don't want to make necklaces yet <laughs> call me when you do <laughs> so the final fight sequence of the episode reveals that walker took the serum and hoskins may have wanted to do the same thing in the end um so what i just the the pacing or the time in this episode is a little confusing because the dormilage were like you have eight hours and like two sec two scenes later, I don't know if they got impatient too, or like, no, we're here for him now. Because eight hours just passed, mm -hmm. and then they're there for him. Mm -hmm. Then the next time we see John Walker after all this, he took the serum because he's you know bending pipes and throwing people down the thing. I mean, is it that easy? 
Like, did he just put it in his coffee? That's what I'm saying. Are there fewer side effects than the Moderna vaccine? <laughs> like, are there super soldier gummies? I need it's to immediate. Do you have to boil it down until it's a film and then you put it on your tongue? That's what I mean. There's no instructions with this. Did he go to a local pharmacy and get a syringe? I mean, it would have to be, there is that weird pointy part on the, the serum vial. I don't know if it just already has a needle on it, but I mean, it would, we would, I guess we would just have to assume that it's just fast acting. Yeah, because he was having drinks late night with Hoskins where they had the conversation about taking it, which alludes that maybe he didn't take it yet, had a conversation with his friend who was like, no, you should take it. Then he went back to his hotel room, took it, and then was a super soldier immediately. Yeah, he was probably waiting. He he probably that was probably the moment where he was like, "Hey, Lamar, would you take it?" He's asking his like conscience. That's I feel like that's what Lamar. I don't like that they boiled this character down to that, mm. but that's what I feel like Lamar's character is at least at this moment of time. And when Lamar was like, "Yeah, I would take it," he's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I should take it then." Yeah, like this is what I should do. <laughs> so they all converge on the same point because when Sam and Bucky meet. Carly at their rendezvous point. It turns out that they realized that Carly was separating them because Sharon's like, Hey Sam, by the way, um, Walker found the rest of the flag smashers or they found them. Mm-hmm. So they go and meet up with them in this moment. Lamar gets taken and Walker's like, Oh shit, which isn't great because a newly serumed soldier probably doesn't have the best control. Yeah. And when Sam gets there, John lets him know, like they took Lamar. So, not only are they having to find the Flag Smasher slash Carly, they're also trying to find Hoskins. Right. And there's some really great John Walker and Sam fight scenes in this because it is kind of cool to see a Captain America with the super soldier serum and seeing the shield bounce off and ricochet. And then also seeing how Sam fights indoors with his wings, I think is really cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had almost two whole episodes without any Falcon action. Yeah, I I don't feel like they made up for it yet because it was very little in this episode. We got a lot of it in the very first episode Mm -hmm. and in the second episode, Mm -hmm. I need more Falcon with his wings. (laughs) Things I've learned, though, is that when you're crashing through a glass ceiling, you use the tips of the wings to do so and not your feet. Oh, good detail. Right? If someone's Mm. coming from behind you, you hit them with that exhaust. (laughs) Good to go. He's got all the tricks. I love it. Oh, my God. It was so good. It's so good. Towards the end of this, the Flag Smashers almost get Walker. And Hoskins escaped his binds and just in that good time tries to save the day, but he ends up getting punched across the room and slams into a pillar and appears dead. Carly just killed John Walker, new Captain America's BFF. He just took the super soldier serum. I don't think that that's a good recipe. I've said recipe a lot in this episode. I'm hungry, but (laughs) it's not great. (laughs) It's not a good look. John Walker sees nothing but red in this oh, moment. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, it is a it is a powerful moment because it sucks that Lamar had to pay the price for what we know so far. Like Lamar being dead. He could not be dead. Yeah. But it sucks that that character had to do that. When this happens with John specifically, I think that Sam and Bucky should have tried to contain him because he just busts through that window. Yeah. And starts going after because what else I mean he what else is he supposed to do? He's enraged at this moment. He grabs Carly's buddy from the cemetery, beats him to death with the symbol of heroism recognized around the world in front of a mass of people in a public square. They're all videotaping him. This scene was so unsettling to watch Mm. not only because this guy that's running which he had i hate when shows like kind of give you a little backstory or insight into somebody that's later to set up to be dead because you're like great you made me feel for him just so he could get killed and then him saying to john almost pleading like it wasn't me yeah like i didn't kill this dude (laughs) like yeah not me that doesn't matter he does end up killing him i don't know if he decapitated him or what there was a lot of blood on that shield it was not good. No. No. I, I mean, this, it's like a huge departure from the tone of the show. I would have never expected to see this in this show. Yeah. I think that one of the things I love so much about this was the actual music that was playing. Yes. Right from when he realizes that Lamar, you know, as we are thinking he's dead, there's like this very agitating string 
Right. Going, and it's building the tension, building the tension. And as he's running to get him, he gets there and he starts wailing on him with the shield. And it's just like, you are also a viewer on the street. You were also watching Captain America possibly decapitate a man on the steps of a fountain. I mean, imagine we just saw when they were in the hotel or wherever they were, people were coming up to him. They recognize him for his autograph. Imagine you're like, oh, I'm on Instagram live. I'm going to catch Captain America, you know, arresting a baddie. And then it's like, oh, my God. Captain America just murdered somebody. Yeah. What is happening? Also, way to make Americans look bad abroad, Captain America. (laughs) I mean, he did that earlier when he was yelling in the streets like an ass. (laughs) Give me a break. Oh, my God. Um, It's very much like Fire Saga, the Eurovision movie, when the Americans come over and they're like, we hate you. You're awful. Go to your Starbucks. And they're like, where's the Starbucks? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I Again, I didn't expect this type of thing to happen. I, I assumed it was going to be heavy, but not like, yeah, Ooh, but this th- heavy. That final shot. Shot. Yeah. Like looking up at Captain America with the blood on the shield was like, oof. I do want to, like, because this is like the end of the episode, but looking back, like, I just want to step back a little bit, just kind of hit pause. So, like, this show has gotten a lot of praise with for dealing with complex racial issues with characters like Isaiah Bradley and Sarah Wilson. But there's also, are these characters being fleshed out enough? Mm. Like, are they merely being used as talking points? Did they just fridge Battlestar? I completely agree. Like they, like, did they just like, did they kill a black character to push a white person's story arc? You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not great. You know, so it's like, it's weird because I want them, I want them to deal with these issues and I want them to talk about them and they should. And I feel like the, the steps that they've taken or the little bit of talking points that they have had are a big different f- for Marvel. Like, they've introduced people of color. They've had female superheroes. It's been great, but it's like, I still feel like they're tipping it, tiptoeing a little bit. It's like if this is one of the selling points for the show and you made it a point on your press tour to be like, we're going to be dealing with this. Is this the right way to do it? Because like, like, did they really just kill off Battlestar that way to perpetuate his story arc? It is it is a little weird. Yeah, I, I was upset, you know, in looking at this, if Battlestar is really dead. I mean, who knows? Maybe the next episode starts with him in a hospital bed, you know, with some beeping and a and tubes and stuff yeah. and it'll be fine or <laughs> right. we'll all breathe a sigh of relief but they made it seem like he was dead and i think to like you said to kind of waste this great character on just this moment sucks um i also think that in this episode hoskins was fleshed out a little bit and we got to see that he has a conscience and he's able to whereas walker is just plowing through all of this he's able to be like all right hold up let's think about this let's take a look at who carly is you know he's a little more level-headed and we're just like killing him yeah, I just wish, I mean, I hope he's not dead, like you were saying, and I hope that maybe in the next two episodes we get to learn more about him. I don't want to learn more about him after he's dead. Black you Widow. know what I mean? Yeah, Black Widow. Yeah. <laughs> I hope there's more to that than there's said. Ain't. But I feel like themes and issues like this, there's like an interesting balance that they have to do. It's like they can teeter, but it's like, did they stick the landing mm. or were they just doing it? Yeah. And they could have gone further. Because I feel like when you are Disney or when you're Marvel, you have the platform. And if you don't, if you say you support it, but you're not using your platform for that, then it's a little, it just looks like talk. Mm-hmm. Like you gotta, you gotta go, you know, the full mile there. But I mean, this episode, it was really good. Aside from those, those things that I, I noticed and I find a little weird and I did talk, I think I mentioned like in the first episode where I was like, I hope Sarah isn't used in this way. So far she is being used in this way. Yeah. I hope it's more. But this was a very Easter egg light episode, even considering like all the episodes of WandaVision, which I was personally happy about. <laughs> <laughs> but also speaking of Isaiah Bradley, just a little bit. What if he's the power broker? Whoa. I'm just curious, like, I'm just trying to figure out who the power broker is and, like, how he feels about the serum and how he feels about, you know, the way government treated him and just heroes in general. It's, like, interesting, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hope he's not, but he could be. <laughs> <laughs> be an interesting turn for the character. Right. For sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want him to be Captain America. He deserves to be Captain America. Him and Sam, Bucky can be Captain America, too. You know, just let, 
multiple people. Why can't there be three Captain Americas? Sharon be, too. Give her a shield. <laughs> it would be fantastic. I do have to say that I think that this episode in general sort of won me back. Last episode, sort of like I mentioned, the top of the episode lost me a little bit. I felt like we were kind of all over the place. We were traveling a lot. They were really trying to prep us for this episode. But I think that this episode was the payoff for that sort of what I felt was a bit clumsy. Yeah, I feel like what we all are starting to realize with these Marvel and Disney shows with the MCU is that these are just normal movies stretched. Sure. So it's like you kind of get midway through the season and you're like, okay, we're getting to like the midpoint climax and then it's setting up for the climax. And the rest of that was just like the first 30 minutes to an Mm -hmm. hour of a movie. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's interesting. Like, I think it's a new way to like watch TV again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, uh, I'm I'm just curious going forward, like what is Walker's story going to be now? Is he going to just be running from the authorities trying not to get caught? I think that's going to be the biggest thing that we're going to find out because like as a as i've mentioned that like i feel like he's the embodiment of entitlement and how the government deals with what they just saw if they try to cover it up if they try to be like no he's fine that's going to be really fucked up Mm. and i think that's going to cause a lot of problems Mm. for just heroes in general or like how people are seen in the mcu and what sam and bucky are possibly going to do so I don't know. I think it's it's going to be interesting to see what consequences, if any, John gets for this. I hope he gets consequences. Me too. It's going to be complicated. I know. Yeah, I'm excited. We have two more episodes left. <laughs> Special segment time? Oh, yeah. It's another edition of Bird Facts. <laughs> all right. So, the name says it all for the long-waddled umbrella bird. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Native to South America, this bird is found in Colombia and Ecuador. It is an inhabitant of the cloud forests, and this winged wonder is all dressed in black. Everything you just said sounds like it's from a fantasy novel. I'm just just saying, it does not sound real. The cloud forests. What is is cloud forests? Is it just like misty? (laughs) Yeah, it's like not a rainforest. It's a cloud forest. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Don't all forests... Create clouds? Girl, I am not a forestologist. (laughs) I don't know. All right, keep going. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. The umbrella part of its name comes from the crest of feathers that adorn the top of its head. When spread out, it resembles an umbrella. When fully extended, the crest gives them a sort of mo from the Three Stooges look. Oh, no. The long, waddled part comes in mainly for the male of the species. The birds themselves can grow to about 35 to 42 centimeters but they can have a waddle of a length of 28 centimeters. That's 11 inches of waddle. What is waddle? So a waddle (laughs) is a pendulous appendage that hangs from below their beak. Oh, it's like a turkey. Like a turkey waddle, but this one is almost a foot long. They have a really long nutsack. Basically. (laughs) That is what we're saying here. But this one, how's this trick for a nutsack? They can inflate it. During courting rituals. Oh my god. The waddle puffs up, becoming thicker with feathers that go from (laughs) vertical to horizontal, making it look like a large, long pine cone hanging from their beak. What the fuck? Ew. Between their umbrella crest and their almost foot-long waddle, this bird is an absolute (laughs) spectacle. You'll be amazed when you're standing (laughs) under this bird's inflating waddle, 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 (laughs) a, a, a. Is that why you picked this bird? Just for that payoff. <laughs> you know I like to make it weird. This is one of the weirdest things ever. I, I cannot wait to look at this. I am so excited. Also, it sounds like me as a child. Just, it can inflate yourself. I was fat. Oh. And I also had a bowl cut. So, <laughs> it sounds like me. Listen, the mushroom of the 90s got us all. It did. It really did. It really did. Did your mom literally put a bowl on your head and do it? No, she took me to Bruce. <laughs> I will say this, Bruce was a stylist, so he did men and women hair. Bruce. Bruce. And we would go there, and it would take hours, because he was very slow. Oh. And so my mom would, like, set us up. We'd get treats. We'd get a Slurpee. It was like a picnic. 
Exactly. <laughs> We'd have all of our homework out. Oh it my was God. like, it would take hours. It was our entire afternoon after school. To no, get my mom done. literally put the popcorn bucket on my head. <laughs> and I was like, hold still. Because we, there were six of us. So she was just like, everybody's getting ball cuts, even the girls. And <laughs> I mean, here's the thing though. Bruce, not only did he take long, but he did a bad job. Oh no. So my mushroom cut would be uneven. One time I was playing outside my friends. My mom spotted from down the block that my mushroom cut was uneven. She called me over to our porch and she oh, cut yeah. the top of my ear off. <laughs> so there's that. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, you're welcome, guys, for just this tangent of hair <laughs> knowledge that you did not need to know about. But us. take a look at the long waddled umbrella bird and see what we mean about its hair. It's pretty great. Until right. next week, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to A Bite Of, artwork and editing by our own Noah. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at A Bite Of Pod and on Facebook at A Bite Of. If you have questions, recommendations, or just want to say hi, you can email us at abiteofpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Please be sure to rate and review to spread the word. Hope you join us next time on A Bite Of. Bye. <music>